Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Welcome to this week's episode of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. This is episode 171. So today's episode is super fun because we are not only talking to one famous children's author, we are talking to two famous children's authors. So on this episode, this episode is geared for my product business person who is multi-passionate. You think big, you have a lot of ideas, and you're like, hey, I have seen books. I've seen children's books. I've seen these fun little picture books. And I've seen all these other people writing them. I kind of want to write one too, but I don't know where to get started. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the first steps to take are. And I wish someone could just tell me what to do. Well, this episode is for you because we have two people that are talking about what to do to start and write a children's book. So this is a must listen episode. Super, super fun. Uh, Let's dive into it. So this episode, we have two authors. We have Victoria Co. And we have Victoria J. Co. And we have Cheryl Lawton Malone. And they are the founders of Write On Productions. And they are the co-authors of their new book, Writing Kid Lit 101, A Self-Guided Course. So they are both acclaimed children's authors. They are writing teachers. And they have so much to share when it comes to writing a children's or YA young adult book. So on this episode, we're kind of diving into all of it. We're talking about like how to get started, what problems people, like what mistakes people make um, important steps to just kind of get started in the process of writing a children's or young adult book. And they're going to share a lot of their own personal tips, tricks, and really everything in between. So this episode is for you if you're just curious, like, I kind of want to write a children's book, or you've been thinking about it, you've pondered the idea. You know, I have talked about you know, my own experience of, of writing a, a fun kids book. And it was such an awesome one of my most favorite things that I've done, honestly, in my business, it was so fun. And I get asked all the time, how like, how did you do it? What made you do it? Like, how did you? How did you publish it? How did you self publish? I get so many questions from people quite often, actually. And I think it's because you are multi passionate people, you want to do more than one thing. And you just need that little uh, nudge to kind of get started. So I'm hoping this episode gives you the nudge and Victoria and Cheryl also have their new book called Right On. I'm sorry, Right On Productions is the company. The book is called Writing Kid Lit 101, a self-guided course. And so that book's going to also give you the inside like viewpoint and step-by-step on how to actually do the kid's book. So this is a great episode. Grab your coffee, grab your wine, and let's dive into it. Welcome to the podcast, Victoria and Cheryl. I am so excited to have you on here. Thank you for having us. 
Thank you. Yeah. And you guys are like very matchy matchy today. And I'm actually wearing pink too. I don't know. My lighting seems like it looks white, but I'm actually wearing pink as well. So who knew? We didn't even we didn't even coordinate that. I know. Pink, pink. Tw- I feel like February is like it feels like spring is coming soon ish. So I feel like I think at least for me, I always like want to start wearing more like spring like colors. So anyway, um, we're going to talk about how like how you can write a children's book or a book for young adults. And we have two amazing people that we're going to chat through so many cool things with. But before we dive into that, do you want to just quickly um, introduce yourselves and just tell everyone who you are and a little bit about um, yourself and your business? Well, I'll go first. I'm Victoria J. Coe, and I am a children's book author. I have written numerous children's books, um, the most popular of which is my Fenway and Hattie series, which is for kids ages eight and up. And I also have um, written a chapter book series as well and another middle grade novel. Um, I am a former teacher of adults. Um, I taught adults in a post-grad level how to write children's book for several years in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, near where I live. Um, And I also visit schools, K through five schools primarily, regularly where I do writing workshops and I get kids excited about writing. Um, And Cheryl, who will be introducing herself in a second, is someone I have been collaborating with for over 10 years. She's my go-to person for all things kidlit. And we have just started our own business, which we are calling Write On Productions. And the very first thing that we did when we launched is we published our own book called Writing Kidlit 101. And it is a self-guided course specifically for busy people who want to write a children's book. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> yep, that's great. And then I'm Cheryl Lawton Malone, and um, I am a past attorney. In other words, I was an attorney for many, many years in the Boston area. I actually did start a number of companies. I worked with a bunch of biotech uh, startup funds. Um, but in um, about 10 years ago, I um, had the opportunity to take a class at uh, Leslie, which is a local college around here, and on children's writing. And it had always been a dream of mine. And so um, I was just absolutely fell in love with the idea of writing for kids and learning how to write for kids. And so um, I did that. I did both for a while. Um, and then I you know, went through the publishing route like Vicki and ended up with a, uh, I, I focus mostly on picture books. And I have a, a number of picture books out. Again, the most popular would be Dario and the Whale, which was a Library of Congress selection in 2021. Um, but um, yeah, so we, Vicki, I've known Vicki for years and we've been, she's absolutely my go-to person uh, for critiquing, for all things. We're, we're total geeky structure nerds when it comes to writing and fiction and elements of fiction. And uh, she said, hey, you know, we both have taught. I taught at um, university level. I taught how to write kids. Kidlit, how to write children's literature at the university level for a number of years. And now I'm a manuscript consultant um, for an organization called Grub Street in Boston. But she approached me and said, like, hey, why don't we take our courses and put them in a book for really busy people um, who don't have time to go to conferences and um, take online classes necessarily. And they want to be able to do it on their time on their schedule um, and to to learn how to get started, to to learn the elements of craft that you need to get started and then to actually get started. And that's where we are. So we started right on productions. 
Love it. You guys are, I feel like, so honored to be in the presence of such accomplished people. So awesome. Um, I also love that you both have done like a variety of things like, you know, teaching and writing books and just doing other things. I think, um, like I was telling you before we started recording, my definitely my audience who listens here are multi-passionate. Like they want to do... They want to have their product-based businesses, but they also want to launch, you know, I've had so many people that have come to me and said, you know, I saw that you wrote a children's book. Like, they're so curious, you know, how, how did you do it? Why did you do it? Like, how do you even get started writing a children's book? It feels very intangible to a lot of people. So I'm really happy to like be able to dive into that with you today. But I just want to preface the conversation that like so many people here listening um, I think would love to write a, a kid's book and they just don't know how. Like, how do you get started? I know for me, when I did my thing, it was like I had no idea what to do. I had to like go to Google and search for, you know, different articles and YouTube videos on like how to do a kid's book. And I did mine was a picture book as well. But it's a it's a big process. So, yeah, I would love to just dive into how, like what problems do you feel like most people get stuck on to prevent them from actually moving forward and like even getting started with the with the process of writing a kid's book. Well, I'd like to jump in and say that what you did, Carrie, is something that actually most people don't do, which is you took the initiative. I think especially for people who are multi-passionate or maybe who also have a lot of other responsibilities, who also want to write a book, don't put themselves first, you know, don't think oh, I'm going to make this a priority because that's very, very hard to do. You know, a lot of people, especially women, put ourselves last. And if it's not a pressing need, nobody needs you to write that book, um, you you might not ever act on it. And I think that is the number one thing that prevents people. And one of the, one of the uh, reasons that we wanted to write our book and write it the way we did is because so many people would rather have us come to you Um, It would be so much easier for you if you didn't have to take that action. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just add to that, that, that the, the reason we structured the book the way we did, it goes through all these different topics about writing um, is, is because it's almost like a handholding journey through the process because how do you start? Okay. So Vicki's a hundred percent, right. You have to make the time to write. That's number one. But so, say you can find the time, say, you know, your kid takes a nap or your, your child goes to school or you have a commute that you can take public transportation, you find the time, but then how do you start? And so what we talk about is, well, you can start, you know, very practically. Do you have an idea? Do you have a character? Usually it's one of those two things. Maybe it's, sometimes it's even a place. Um, I know that I want to write about this particular setting because that it's so cool, you know, um, and so and then from there, you take the next step. OK, well, and and this is what we talk about in the book a lot is, OK, so here's five writing exercises about that place. Which one resonates with you? Or here's some writing exercises about your character. Explore, start exploring, start brainstorming and see, is, is your character going to be 15 or are they going to be five? Um, and so where does your book fall? That, that by definition is going to tell you where your book falls. It's a, that's going to be, if you're 15, you're going to be in YA. And if you're five, you're going to be in a picture book. So there's a lot of very practical, hands-on, hand-holding um, stuff in the book to help you just get started. That's very true. Carrie, I was just going to say that one of the number one things that people don't know when they want to write a children's book is they mm-hmm. don't know who the book is for. 
Um, or maybe mm-hmm. they just want to write, you know, or they just want to write a book or they remember when they were young that they loved Charlotte's Web or they they loved write, you know, they loved reading mysteries or they loved Harry Potter um, or they loved a picture book. And so they just kind of feel this yearning to to write and don't really know the marketplace has changed from a, a generation ago when when you were a kid. And so how do you know? And so that's actually where we begin in the book is after our introduction and our welcome, we jump right into here's what the marketplace looks like today. You know, we call it kidlit. A lot of people call it kidlit. It encompasses everything from books from to taught from toddlers all the way to teens, all the way through the, the end of high school. And that entire span is called kidlit. That's pretty broad. Mm-hmm. You know, and anybody who has kids today knows that picture books, which are 32-page book that has full illustrations in it has very few words. I mean, if you actually went through and counted up those words, very few books have more than 300 or 400 words, and many of them have fewer. That wasn't true in the 90s, or that wasn't true in the 80s. So things have changed, and you need to educate yourself if you want to write a book. Um, The next thing is chapter books which are all different lengths, because when you think about it, kids who are just starting out how to read want an easy reader. A lot of those easy readers don't even have chapters. Mm -hmm. And then when they start to have chapters like Frog and Toad or any of those, you know, Junie B. Jones or the books that that we remember, um, they are short, but then they get a little bit longer, but they're fairly simple stories. And they're in series. That's another important thing to know. And then middle grade novels, which is my sweet spot, Kids who are already reading, usually at age eight through age 12, those are called middle grade. And those are novels. They're called novels because they are novels. They're not usually fully illustrated. Sometimes there's one sketch at the beginning of each chapter. Um, And then there's YA, which a lot of people know because a generation ago, Twilight ushered in, you know, this popularity that everybody knew, the Hunger Games, you know, all of those um, YA novels super popular. A lot of adults who've been in both of our classes want to write YA novels and they're, you know, Mm. fairly young themselves. Maybe they're in their twenties. That's not a requirement, but a lot of people who grew up with YA literature love it. And a lot of adults still read it. So that's a lot, that's kind of another beginning place is to know what the categories are and what Mm. the marketplace looks like to think, okay, what kind of a book do I want to write? Okay. And what, I guess, so you talked about like the, the picture books and how that has changed over the past, I think like a couple of decades you mentioned, but I'm just curious too. So for like a lot of people who are listening, they're like, okay, I sort of, cause what I find at least that people come to me is like, they have an idea, like I yeah, have yeah. an idea for something, but how the hell, do, like, what do I do? How do I get started? Like, like who do I cater this to? So say someone has an idea. So I know, Cheryl, you mentioned a lot of people might have an idea for like a location. And that was sort of my that was like the route I took. I sort of knew I wanted mine to be about Pacific Northwest because that's where I live now. And I just think it's like a very special part of the country. It's very unique. It's like so green and there's water. There's like, you know, you can see orcas and also grizzly bears all in the same state. Like it's a cool place. But I also cool. knew, like, for my for my personal story, like, I've been a traveler for 20 years. I've been to 30 countries. Traveling is a huge part of my identity. And so is 
dogs. So I sort of took like the three and like combined it into my idea for like a book. So do you feel like a lot of people will take personal stories, personal experiences, personal travel, um, or like personal, maybe not personal, like a character that's like actually based off a real person. And like, that's how they start with their first book. I'm just curious. Yeah. You know, Nikki and I both have done a lot of critiquing and I, I actually have a manuscript consulting business as well. And so I would say the overwhelming majority of people start with either a character or an idea um, mm-hmm. or, you know, or a place. And so, but uh, you know, the characters are probably the easiest way into getting your story from your head to the, to the page or the screen, so to speak. Um, because if, you know, close your eyes and you just start thinking exactly as you described, mm-hmm. you, you know, what are the things that resonate with you? Okay, dogs. Okay, travel. Um, and then and then your character kind of starts to take shape in your mind. And then we we talk a lot about journaling. Vicky is a huge journaler. I'm not so much. Um, I do a lot more, I think, internal thinking. Either way is okay. Um, so then the character kind of starts taking shape. And for me, the first thing I do is give the character a name. Mm-hmm. So if my character is named Emily Whipple, um, she could be... And, and I don't know anything else about her. She could be, you know, in the 18th century or she could be a girl today. She could be 16. She could be 12. Um, if my name is, you know, if the name that I pick is um, Ravnot um, R24, you know, then I'm thinking, OK, maybe, maybe we're talking science fiction. And if it sounds sort of fun and adventurous, maybe they're 12, maybe it's a, a you know, a he, she, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of can take off from there. So you start thinking about characteristics about whatever that your opening is. If it's a place, you start thinking about what are my characteristics? What's a description of this place? If it's a if it's your character, that's your way in. What does my character look like? What do they sound like? What would, you know, kind of how old are they? And sometimes it takes a little while and even a couple drafts to actually figure that out, especially on the novel um, side. There is sort of an interesting tip that we give, um, which is kids love to read up. So if you want, if your character is four, Mm -hmm. your audience is two or three and a picture book audience is two to six sort of by by technical book selling standards. So you're kind of cutting out a portion of your audience. Kids don't really like to read about kids that are younger than them. Oh, um, so if your if your main character is you want to make them, you know, 9 or 10, you're kind of in a spot where there should be uh, picture book readers are going to read about that character. Mm-hmm. Year old isn't going to pick up a book about a nine-year-old, you know, or a ten-year-old. But if you make them thirteen, which is sort of the edge of middle grade and YA, uh, then you've got the whole audience below that that can read that. So you're kind of looking for those defining characteristics that are going to help you pinpoint what category you want to be in and what your idea is. Hmm. That's, That's so interesting, interesting about the uh, age thing. Too. I, I never thought, thought of that before, but I'm like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. So thank you. It makes total sense. And, you know, even mm-hmm. though I am a big journaler and I know that not everybody is, I think that anybody who wants to write, I say this to children all the time because they ask me that they want to write. You can be anybody, but I think you need to have a notebook um, or many notebooks. And I don't just use my notebook for journaling. I um, We recommend this in our book and I would recommend it to anybody is to start the way that Cheryl just explained and then use the notebook 
for fleshing it out. Ask yourself questions and then jot as many different answers as you can think of. And one of them starts to ignite your imagination. Go with it. You know, let the ideas flow and just jot down words, phrases, thoughts, ideas. If it's a place that you're interested in, ask yourself who lives in this place. You know, what's the kind of character who would live in this place? And then try the opposite. You know, what if someone who was completely different from this place or from the people who lived in this place suddenly arrived there? You know, that could be really interesting. Ask yourself lots of questions like that. And after you start to get enough there, then start with the why. Why? Why is that character there? Or why is the character named this? Or why did the character go to this place? That's how you can start to dig. And when you dig, you're starting to get your ideas going. Hmm. I love that. That's so interesting. It's it's funny to like think the there's so many different processes of like coming up with ideas and characters. And I'm just curious, like, because I know a lot of people that have asked me about doing a kids book. I think a lot of them are interested in the picture books. And I don't know if I don't know if that feels I know for me, like I would not write I wouldn't write a kid's book that I think you called it a novel. Like I wouldn't go that route. I would only do the picture book because in number one feels easier to me. Um, It feels easier to me, but also I'm such a visual like marketing brain creative person. I love photography. I love like beautiful pictures. So for me, that's like a no brainer. Like part of the reason I love doing my kid's book was because I could brainstorm and bring those different scenes to life. And they're all like my book all takes place in different um, locations in Washington and Oregon. So for me, like if I didn't do that, I don't think I would have ever done the book because I don't want to do like a kid's book that's all writing. Um, That's also not my strong suit at all. The creative, the, the scenes, the pictures like that is way more of my style. But do you feel like a lot of people do the picture books, is it, does it feel easier to people? And I'm just curious, like based on your perspective, I can just only share my own. I know a lot of other people are way better writers than, than I am. So they'd be like, oh, no, the illustrations would be way too hard to figure out. So, yeah, I'm just curious, like t- talk sure. about like what feels like the easiest route for a lot of people that, you know, or like clients that you've worked with or something. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I think that's probably a, a fair statement that people think because the picture books have so few words that it's easier to write. And there really couldn't be anything further from the truth. Um, but that's not to say that it isn't a good place to start. You know, I, mm-hmm. And people tend to you know, come with an idea, like a story that they've been telling their own children at night uh, that their kids love, you know, and so they want to put it down. And, and that, those tend to be picture books, you know, um, or uh, you know, their dog, uh, or a special event, or a special grandparent, or a special something. And those people tend to write those as picture books, and and, and a lot of them make really great picture books. Um, but yeah, the, the format's easy to grasp. Mm-hmm. For me, also, I love writing picture books because I think like I think the experience is is something I think it's a creative experience that you can get to the end of pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get yeah. you get this feedback that, you know, and, and sure, you're going to go through multiple drafts and all that. But I think like, I think that that's also why people gravitate towards picture books, because you can start it, you have a beginning, a middle and then hopefully mm-hmm. that's the goal. Um, and uh, you can you you can, and you can visualize it, you can hold it, you can see it. It isn't, you know, a, a 40,000 word manuscript on your computer kind of thing. But so I do think people gravitate towards that for those reasons. The, you know, of course, 
to to write a really great picture book, you need a an idea that's relevant and interesting to kids. So that is one of the obstacles that I find. I first you know, you first have to tell people, okay, that's an idea that might appeal to you and you're 25 or you're 32 or you're 48 or you're 72 or 96. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not appeal to a kid today mm-hmm. in that age group. And and booksellers dictate the age groups. You know, we that that's like un, un you can't change that. So if it's going to be a picture book with illustrations, I did actually come across a publisher recently who was um, publishing adult picture books, adult mm. concepts for, in picture book format. But that that's very rare. Uh, um, so interesting. Most, if you're going to write a picture book, you really are gearing it towards a kid who's two to six years old. Mm. And today's two to six year old may be a lot different than the kids from whatever generation you come from. So you, you yeah, know, you just really be cognizant of are you writing for yourself which is totally okay you can absolutely do that you can write a book and you can for yourself for your family no big deal um and there's lots of there are lots of tips to make it the best it can be but if you're writing it to sell it in the marketplace um you know you you have to take into account what kids today are like and they're streaming they're on social media uh even the little ones um I want to do a shout out to Miss Rachel. I don't know if you've got anyone has little ones out there, but uh, she's got an online presence that's unbelievable uh, for teaching speech and uh, words. Um, so, yeah, those are, that's that's who's going to be reading these books today. Interesting. So much to unpack. I'm also curious. Talk about your book, like your picture book. What made you? You said it was about. Is it a whale? I've... Yeah. Yeah, okay. so well, and this is a very common experience too. Something happens to you, and you you want to write about it. Like you have a dog that you love, and they're just the most unique dog that ever lived, and and they are. It's true. Mm-hmm. But, um, I happen to be with my dog on the beach down in a place called Race Point in um, um, Provincetown on Cape Cod, uh, and it was super early in the morning, and it was April, and that's the time when the right whales—they're called the North Atlantic right whales—they're an endangered species of whale—migrate uh, past race race point beach and just so happened and this is in the book as a note in the back a juvenile whale about 15 feet long happened to come near the shore i'd say about 15 feet there's a huge drop off at race point if anyone knows the area um and honest to god it lifted its head out of the water first of all my dog barked because it knew the whale was there it could see it and i could see it too but it spouted you could see it it was literally 15, 20 feet offshore. I, I froze, the dog barked and the whale lifted its head out of the water. And he looked at us with his eye. Wow. And it was such an extraordinary experience of three creatures being in the same place at the same time, connecting that, that I felt like I had to write it. And, and that happened that, so Dario is fictitious. Dario and the whale is fictitious. It's about a little boy who is um, is is living in this same kind of a location and he doesn't really have any friends and he wants to make friends. And the only friend he can make is with a whale. And oh. they do have that same experience, but um, that's how my, that's how that book came about. I, I know Vicki has a story too, with her Fenway and Hattie story. I yeah. do. And I would love to hear that. Add some context to Cheryl's story. Um, Cheryl is also a poet um, and poetry is really hard for most people to write. And um, Dario and the Whale is told not so much in actual poetry, but the style of writing is very lyrical. 
And the way that Cheryl told the story, it's very beautiful and it's very realistic. I mean, the, the whale doesn't talk, you know, it doesn't, it's not a magical whale. It's not a fantasy. Um, it's told in a very realistic way. So yeah. So Cheryl took that idea and she didn't, you know, write exactly what happened. And I think this is mm-hmm. a, this is something that's really important. I think for people who want to write, a lot of people take an experience like that. That's an, an inspiration. And then they want to write literally what happened. And mm. I think a lot of times something that really happened in your real life might make a great story, but only if you use it as a jumping off point. And that's something that Cheryl did. And and Cheryl was just, um, you know, saying with me, that's how Fenway and Hattie started also. Um, just to give you the quick version. So Fenway and Hattie is actually a novel, but Fenway is a dog. Um, and the idea I had been writing for many years before this experience happened to me, um, but I was never thinking about writing from an animal's perspective before, because honestly, you know, that's really, really hard to do. I didn't think I could pull it off. But then one day, um, my family was moving. And at that time, we had a dog um, who was, by the way, the world's worst dog. And I say that with all the love in my heart, because we loved him. <laughs> deeply, but he was so awful. And um, he didn't understand what was going on when we were moving, (laughs) as most dogs, because he's a dog. And he flipped out. And somehow he got into the car, even though we were not moving until the next day. And he was shaking and we couldn't get him out of the car. And we're moving boxes and furniture. and We're so busy. We had to leave him in there, you know. And um, we were all talking to ourselves, what's going on with Kipper? You know, why is he doing this? And we all reached the same conclusion, which was he must have been afraid that we might leave without him because Aww. he must have thought, well, if I stay in the car, because we could not coax him out of the car, like he was not leaving. Um, wow. and that, broke, that broke my heart. You know, why would your mm-hmm. dog ever think you would leave and not bring him along? And so that actually inspired me to create a character. <laughs> Not my real dog, Kipper, because let's face it, nobody would ever read or believe a book that I wrote about my real dog, Kipper. Um, But it was a jumping off point and that feeling of insecurity, you know, that feeling of not understanding, that feeling of being afraid that your family might leave. um, That's what inspired me to create a character. And kids are always asking me because I'll show them pictures of Kipper. And he looks nothing like Fenway, who was on the cover of the books. Fenway's a Jack Russell Terrier, and Pipper was clearly not. And that's because I created the character. I used that idea as inspiration. But the character is fictitious. And so I I wrote the book and all of the books in his point of view, from his perspective, because I wanted to explore that vulnerability and that insecurity, not because I wanted to tell the true story of what happened to my dog. Hmm. Okay. I love that. What kind of dog, I feel like I saw this on your website um, before we (laughs) chatted the first time, but what kind of dog was Kipper? Was it like a mix? That's a great question because I get asked that all the time. And when Kipper was alive, we literally (laughs) got asked that every single day because Kipper was not a kind. Um, Kipper was an unknown. No one knew what Kipper was. He looks, he looked a lot like a fox. Um, He kind of had red fur and had a pointy face and big pointy ears. Um, He was extremely handsome and literally 
stop traffic because people would stick their heads out their car window and say, what kind of a dog is that? Um, so yeah, oh, no, if I wrote, it's, cute, it's cute because I'm telling you this was real, but if I made up a story about a dog and nobody knew who we was. Like it wouldn't be as, it wouldn't be as interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to hear people's like how you developed a book and like how you came up with a character, but also taking personal experiences. And I love that you talked about not like just because you have an experience doesn't mean you have to write about that like verbatim. Like I was at a beach with my dog and a whale popped out of its head. And you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be that, but you can take like pieces of that experience and then turn it into like you talked about uh, Victoria on on your book. You talked about like the feeling of not being included and it wasn't like, oh, we were moving and the dog wouldn't get out of the car, which that is very sad, by the way. <laughs> no, no, oh, my God. Heart. Well, and getting back to what I was saying before with Cheryl's experience, you know, Cheryl had this incredible setting and she had this incredible experience. But then mm. when she was creating the character of Dario, this little boy, she had to ask herself, well, who would be there? Who would be alone on the beach? And she thought of the son of a seasonal worker because it's a tourist area. And so Daria's mother is an immigrant and she's a seasonal worker at one of the, the hotels or the motels. And her son Dario is alone during the day. So you see, she used her imagination, but it makes sense. And it's also, there's some emotion in there as well, right? The boy is lonely. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute. I'm just curious because I know like a lot of people that probably maybe are interested in writing a book and they, okay, they come up with an idea, they have a character, they're like, okay, I'm going to do this. So besides obviously buying your book and your course, what are the next steps that people can do? Because I want to talk about like the publishing part. And I actually want to talk about the marketing your book because I feel like that for many people feels like they have no idea what to do. But just in terms of like taking some fast action or quick action, when someone comes up with an idea, the character, like what are some things they can do to kind of like actually now build momentum and, you know, okay, I want to finish this in two months. Like what does someone do? Cheryl, well, I, we're, we're both going to give the same answer, but we're going to give different <laughs> sides of it. So yeah. Cheryl, why don't you start? So um, I would say the first thing, so get your story down, write your story. And when you think it's fabulous, ask somebody else what they think about it. So join a writer's group, reach out on social media. There are organizations all over the place um, for uh, people who are writing books and seek the opinion, not of just anybody, um, but of people who are sort of trying to do the same thing you're trying to do. So mm -hmm. Get their ideas, get their opinions. Does it make sense? Oh, that ending mm, doesn't really resonate with maybe maybe one person it does, one person doesn't. Okay, so I'll stick with my own idea. Five people don't really like my ending. Mm, maybe I should really think about a different ending kind of thing. So so that's just getting the book to uh, a, a level that you would actually then you know if you if you're if you market it it would, might be successful, right? So mm -hmm. so then switch it over to Vicky for the marketing because she's she's our marketing guru. Well, what Cheryl said is is so important. You have to have the mindset going into it that you're not going to nail your story the first time. You're going to have to rewrite it many times. And also the um, you know, very real situation is that you're too close to it. You can't really judge your work and neither can your children or your husband. You know, they're gonna tell you it's awesome. And if they don't tell you that it's awesome, that's not gonna go over well anyway. So um you need to find someone who is objective. <laughs> And someone who knows something about books. 
Um, the, the next thing that you should do, or maybe you could even do this at the beginning, is to find books that are comparable to the one that you're writing. You know, go to the bookstore, go to the library, um, find other books that are of the similar category and maybe the similar genre. So if yours is an animal story, or if your story is set in a particular place, or if your story is rhyming, or if your story is a funny story, whatever, um, find some other books that are similar and then really be honest in comparing your work to theirs. You know, is yours at that level? You know, is yours, you know, is there something you can learn from their book? But as far as marketing, if you want to sell your book to a publisher, is that what you're, that's what you're asking, Carrie? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think just in general, like once your book, so maybe like I did the self-publishing route. So for people self-publishing, like that's just one part of it. Then you have to actually like everything is about getting your product in front of people's eyeballs. So I'm not familiar with like direct or traditional publishing, I guess, maybe the better word. Um, but yeah, maybe just talk about traditional publishing and like, is it hard to get a publisher? Um, yeah. Or is it easier to self-publish? But yeah. yeah. So um, that those are great questions. We are both traditionally published. And I think we should be very clear and open about the fact that both of us pursued writing and publication for many, many, many years before we finally broke through to, you know, the land of success. I mean, it's not something like we started and then a year later we found a publisher. That's not, I mean, it does happen sometimes, but that's not what happened to either one of us uh, and or to most people. So just want to get that right there. Um, so as right. far as um, selling your book to publishers is it's not that easy, but if you do do it, your publisher will do almost all of the marketing. So you don't really have to worry about it after that. Um, and so in that sense, it's a lot easier. But if you wanted to right. self-publish, what you gain is control and speed. You know, you can publish your book whenever you want to. Um, but then you need to make sure people know about your book and, um, you know, get it into readers' hands. So you're not going to be selling 100,000 copies. Um, so it's a very different situation and you just need to decide for yourself what you want to go for. Um, traditional publishing is super competitive um, and there's a very, very high probability that you might not be able to sell your book unless you write a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth. Now you're getting better with every story that you're writing. Hopefully you're dedicated to improving um, and then you keep improving your chances, which is what both of us did. Um, so there are so many publishers out there. There are big publishers. Um, people call them the big five. It used to be a different number, but now they've merged. A lot of them have merged with each other and there's big five publishing um, houses. And then there are a lot of smaller publishers, a lot and lot and lot. In fact, it's so hard to even keep track of who they all are. Um, and the way to to submit your work is to um, find out what the publisher's submission guidelines are. And they all have them and they're all on their websites and you just need to follow their submission guidelines. Um, ha having said that, most of the publishers, especially the big five and many of the others, um, will not accept an unsolicited manuscript. So they will um, require you to have an agent. And so literary agents, a lot of literary agents represent children's book writers like us. And um, you have to go through the same process to get an agent. You will have to contact them through their submission guidelines. 
And if you do get an agent and you like that agent, you decide to sign with them, they will represent you. And then they will pitch your work to publishers. Um, And that's the route that we both chose and went through. So yeah, and then all of the marketing and promo that you, you Perry, see me do, particularly on Instagram, is all completely voluntary. I don't have to do any of that. Um, honestly, I don't even know if that sells books. Um, I do it for a variety of reasons. As I mentioned, I visit schools and I charge. You know, Schools pay me to come and visit because um, I do workshops with the kids. And so I know a lot of teachers and a lot of librarians. Um, a lot of other educators, principals that I have met through social media because I put myself out there. I have videos, I give writing tips for kids, all kinds of things like that, but I don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I know that you just said you're not sure if that sells your books, but as a marketer, um, I can probably guarantee you like it absolutely, I think it would absolutely like help you sell your books, you know, because the more you get yourself out there and get your brand out there, people are like, oh, my God, I remember that lady who posted that thing about the cute yellow dog book or the blue dog book or whatever. Um, I mean, that stuff, people share that stuff, people save that stuff, you know, people send it to friends. So I think like marketing anything is all about brand awareness and like how many touch points can you share with other people? And it also takes people you know, up to 10 times of seeing the one thing before they actually buy from you. So maybe they saw your video and then they got maybe like retargeted on an advertisement somewhere and they're like, oh my God, that book again. Okay. Okay. I'm going to buy it now, you know? So yeah, I think you're doing great. And I think I love that you're, you know, putting yourself out there because you just said, you know, you get, you get to go speak at schools and you meet like librarians and teachers. And I think all those things, It's like marketing is sort of like you have to just do a million different things and some of them work, some of them don't work, but like the more you do, the more effective they are. So yeah, Yeah, I love that. That's true. And I also do it because I enjoy it, but you cannot possibly Mm -hmm. compare what I do to what Penguin Random House does. (laughs) One thing I would, I would just mention about picture books. One thing a lot of people don't get um, is that if you're going to go the traditional publishing route and you're not an artist, an illustrator, a professional children's illustrator you would not submit illustrations with your text if you're applying to an uh to get an agent or to an editor um if you're going to go the the self-publishing route um then by all means you're probably going to have to find an illustrator and um you definitely will have to find an illustrator whether you do them yourself or you find somebody um you're going to have to put the illustrations together when you do the formatting for your book but traditional publishing route the publisher will select the um the illustrator for the words that you create, unless of course you are one of those great author illustrators, which are so wonderful in the business. <laughs> that must be nice to be able to do the illustrations yourself. I know that for me, I was like, how do you find an illustrator? I don't even know where to look. And someone that was on my podcast that I became friendly with, she saw one of my Instagram posts that I had posted about my book. And she, and I think I made a comment like, oh, I'm looking for a children's book illustrator. And she was like, um, hello, I can do your I can do that for you. So I was like, OK, here's my budget. I found this person on Upwork. I kind of don't want to pay more than this because this wasn't really part of my business. It was like a project I did with my son. And um, but she ended up I ended up paying, you know, probably more than I, I wanted to. But I mean, like she nailed it. 
And mm-hmm. one of my goals is to get my book in um, like boutique shops in Seattle and the areas around that because they do sell little like kids travely like PNW and books like that. So I do want to get that in books. And I knew for me, like if I ever if I wanted to get my book in stores, like I it w- the cover has to be amazing. The illustrations have to be awesome. And without the illustrator, if I had tried to like DIY, I mean, I don't think I would have sold a single copy. And I think I wouldn't have been very proud to like market the book um, because the illustrations the the illustrations are the book I don't think it's my me personally I don't think the writing is great but like the illustrations are perfection because I worked with a very uber talented um, illustrator so so I would definitely uh, agree with that you know if you're going to do a picture book your illustrations are what sell your book the cover for Mm -hmm. um, upwork place where a lot of people go to find illustrators, but also there's an organization called the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, and it's oh. scbwi.com. And um, there's a dot, whole group. Dot org. Oh, I always do that. That um, there's a whole group of people that do illustration and are available um, and are posting their work and, you know, they're on social media. There's the smaller groups within that big organization just for, to find illustrators. Oh, nice. I wrote that down. That's a good um, that's a good resource. I always love just giving people like a variety of places to be able to find things. And I know for me, I had no idea where to even look for an illustrator. So I know we are running low on time. So I want you to be able to talk about your book, your course, all the fun things you're doing. So tell us, um, tell us more about your book. Tell us where people can find it. I know I will link it in the show notes. But yeah, tell people what the book is and like, who it's really good for, who it's meant for, and how it can help people. Okay, well, great. So the book is called Writing Kidlet 101. And the um, subtitle Self-Guided Course by Victoria J. Cohen, Cheryl Lawton Malone. Um, And you can find it through our website, writeonproductions.com, which is W-R-I-T-E, onproductions.com. It's also on Amazon. And um, it's available in paperback and Kindle. Um, So the book is a really fun and accessible way to learn the craft and skills that you will need and the information that you'll need to arm yourself with if you want to write for children or for young adults. Um, There are 10 different topics and each one has, you know, really um, catty narrative that's really easy to digest. And um, then we have tips and tricks and we have exercises that you can do that are really fun and you can pick and choose. You don't have to work your way through everything in the book, but even if you have, you know, 20 minutes while you're waiting for your kid in the parking lot outside the hockey rink or whatever, you can work your way through some of these exercises to really learn the skills. Um, And then we have extra credit and we have calls to action of things that you can do, you know, to prioritize your writing, um, to really get that book going and, and off the back burner. Um, so it's everything from creating characters to finding your voice, to making your story exciting, to really making your antagonist somebody that the readers are going to love to hate, you know, how to structure your story, um, how to write dialogue. Everything is in here, um, that you would need to know craft and skill wise to write a book for kids. So like I said, we wrote it for busy people. You don't have to do it in order can do it with a friend, you can do it by yourself. But I think that it's designed to be really flexible, and to really fit into your life. And, you know, I would add that we, we have taught 
classes to, to exactly this audience, um, ourselves, and the material that we took from those classes is in the book. That's what the book where that's where the the heart of the book is comes from actual course material that we taught for years. And mm-hmm. some of our students have actually gone on to win not only start careers, but win major awards. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's something that's it's a digestible way to get started. Write the book that kids want to read. That's what we say. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and where can people find you? And um, if you have any other services, I know that, um, Cheryl, you said you do something with manuscripts. I think manuscript review will. Yeah. If you have other services you want to share for people that might want some more one-on-one support, if you offer that, um, definitely share those too. Um, well, we also have a YouTube channel where we have a couple of different playlists of tips. Um, we're also right on productions, LLC, and, um, we have an Instagram account at right on productions. Um, Cheryl and I are also both individually on Instagram. I'm at Victoria J co. I'm also on Twitter at Victoria J co. My website is Victoria J Um, and all of those places, uh, all of those platforms for me are loaded with information and resources. Um, and I'm at, uh, my website is Cheryl Lawton Malone.com. Um, and I'm on, um, Twitter at Malone Lawton and at Facebook at Cheryl Lawton Malone. Um, again, like, like Vicki said, we, you can reach us through any portal on any one of those sites. I work with a group called Grub Street in Boston. Um, I'm a manuscript consultant for them. And so you can go to grubstreet.org and find me under the manuscript consultants as well. Hmm, I love that. What is and what is so manuscript consultant? Does that mean you will give people like ideas with their book, or do you actually go in and like, okay, here's your manuscript. This is what I would change, like line editing, or yeah, what is sure, that? Yeah. Could you explain that a little it's, bit? It's all of that. Um, you know, m- mostly because most people come to me um, with either an idea or a manuscript that isn't quite ready for prime time. And so I do a lot of big picture analysis with people, you know, Hey, have you thought about, you know, is, you know, who are you writing for? Are you writing for picture book listeners or are you writing for middle grade readers? Um, big picture. How's your character? (laughs) You have the same character at the beginning as you do at the end. Um, but, uh, but if you, if your manuscript is in pretty good shape and you want line editing, we'll do that. I'm happy to do that too. So okay. it's anything. I think I I think my strength. One of my strengths is that um, that I can actually. It's it, I, I've had both Vicky and I have enough experience to be able to see a story, um, and it's kind of once if once you've been around a little while and you can see the things that are missing. That's what people. That's what people like to find out. What's missing in my story? What What do I need more of? That kind of thing. And we do a lot of that. Gotcha. Cool. Um, any like last tips you might give someone who, again, has an e-commerce business or a product-based business and they're like, gosh, I have this idea for something. I don't know if I should do it. Like, will people like it? Will people make fun of me? I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can can afford it. These are all the objections that most people have for pretty much anything. Um, what would you, maybe like one last tip of what you would tell them if they are interested, but like they're f- afraid for a variety of reasons to kind of take some action. What would you say to them? Well, besides buying our book, um, I just think even if you made 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you know, I think you could be, su- you would surprise yourself 
at how you could get started. You know, write down some ideas in the notebook, go to the library and check out a bunch of books, you know, read them. Um, and if you, if this is a tip that's real, I really would do this. If go sit underneath your dining room table, sit in a closet, you know, just do get yourself out of your daily routine and just be alone. And even if you had 15 minutes, you know, you would really open up your creativity and really surprise yourself. Hmm. I love that. And I would say, just do it. There's no good time. Just do it. Especially if you're doing it, you know, in, in starting small, what's the risk? Yeah. I love that. I, I think both tips are great. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing some great advice. I feel like I learned um, a bunch of things that are really helpful. I know everyone else listening, um, people are definitely interested in doing more books and just being more multi-passionate and also just like self-publishing, making, again, I don't really think self-publishing a book is like passive income until you kind of know more what you're doing because you still have to market it and all that. But I think people are interested in more streams of revenue coming in and like the opportunity of selling things. So anyway, thank you so much for coming on here. I think um, I'm super excited for people to hear this episode. And yeah, I appreciate you both. Oh, thanks for having us. It's been a blast. Great to meet you. Love this episode so much. I hope you also enjoyed this episode and just get like got some great inside intel from two people who are really the masters in writing and self-publishing uh, children's and young adult books. So if that's you, I really encourage you to take it seriously. Like you can do a kid's book. You can do it. And honestly, you won't have any regrets. It's so much fun. I loved doing my kid's book. It was a fun experience, unlike my business book that I'm writing, which is not a fun experience. <laughs> it, has, it has kind of drained the life out of me. But the kid's book was actually really, really fun. It was a very enjoyable uh, process. And just seeing your book out into the world it's just so much fun. So I think you got to do it. And you can grab a Victorian Charles resources. I'm going to leave all the information in the show notes below, but you can go to, go to writeonproductions.com or you can go to Amazon and grab their writing kid lit book. And I'm going to link the book in the show notes below. All right, my friends. And if you haven't left a review, please, please, please take a minute and go and leave a review on Apple iTunes. It means the world to me and I would really, really appreciate it. All right, my friends, I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much and I'll see you guys next week.